You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Thirty-eight of Storyteller Conclave, a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level, I am Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? I'm actually not doing too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I got some sleep, so that was a good thing. Oh, lucky you. I know. Lucky I know. You. Uh so we, we have a- at least Docs here, but uh, technology isn't with spirits. So we'll uh, get as when you're hearing this from the recording. Come on, dude. It's Wednesday. Why, why can't you just join us? <laughs> <laughs> we got Draven in the chat as well. Aw, it's good to see you, Draven. Yep, yep. Um, we, had a, we, had a, we had a full weekend. We did. We had your D&D game. We did. And uh, so, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, my actual first episode, really, because that yes. was zero. Yeah, it was kind, of, you kind guys... of your intro to the, to yeah. the new chapter, get us back on after a decade hiatus. Yes, and then this was the meat and potatoes of the uh, first episode. So, so uh, how do you think it went overall? Um, from my perspective, I think it went pretty well. I, yeah. It hit it hit the framing that I wanted. Mm-hmm. We got through a lot of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like the fact that one of my players wasn't there. I never. I, I hate playing without players because yeah. I write for everyone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I like having that full bodied story. You mm-hmm. know, where everybody gets a piece and they don't miss little chunks. Um, so for me, it was very much like crap. I really wish you would have been there. Uh, but at the same time, like I didn't let that hamper the story. Yeah. Uh, and I felt that the summary helped mm-hmm. and I feel that, you know, I got to write another one, of course, for yep. this episode. Um, but yeah, I, I felt that everything kind of rolled like I expected it, it's expected it to, regardless of how nearly we killed players. <laughs> <laughs> how nearly you killed, how nearly I killed because That's I was the, the one, yeah, I was were, the one puppeteering the missing is, player. That is true. That is true. So. And uh, as tanky as he was. Yes. Uh, oh my goodness. He almost got me. There was a couple times that that HP dropped a little bit lower than I wanted it to. For uh, for not being my own character. And then uh, Nox and yeah, yeah. I got to play in Sean's game. And you actually ended up using technology. Yeah. Because you were supposed to play together physically. So for those but Michigan you, sucks. Yeah, so. but because, because Detroit sucks. Yeah. And we got hit with a load of snow that morning. Yes. Um, like, and it, so – And we get snow normally, but – yeah, this, this was, was like the true icy, snowy, lots of snow, windy, shitty kind of stuff. And and then like it, like around noon, it turned into rain yeah. because it went over forty because Michigan, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So you know, we uh, Knox has uh an about an hour drive from his place to ours. Yeah. Um. And decided he was not going to risk his only car to you know come over and and car and, life whatever yeah. exactly exactly. So uh you know we we made the we made the call that we weren't going to try that. But then about eleven o'clock in the morning or so um. He was tinkering around some stuff and he's like, I, th- I think I might have a microphone. Can you just hop on real quick and test it out? And by by noon, we had him like casting Sean's streaming, uh, you know, like he was streaming his desktop so he could yeah. show his maps and yeah, his background yeah. music. That was all cast up to his Roku and his living room and he and his roommate oh, were sitting lovely. there. Had another phone out with Discord on it so we could hear the voice nice. and stuff like that. So um, we had we had a fully employed technology solution to get everything going and we ended up playing for another like six hours or so after That's that. That's beautiful. And it was, and that it was is great. Beautiful. And I, I love that that really wasn't that much of a challenge. Like you guys uh, had a struggle. There was a little bit of frustration. But the group pulled it together and the GM went along with it. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Okay, I I can do this. Exactly. And went from – because you even said that he felt very down about it. And I know that moment where you're like, like, oh, God. Like I felt that way on Sunday Mm -hmm. when uh, the player messaged me saying he was still sick and he felt bad that he was still sick. I was like, well, shit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, I mean, Sean's been trying to get his game going for, you know, about a year now. Um, it's, it's no decade, but you know, <laughs> oh, true, very but, true. But a year is still a long time. Years, to, to it not. is. It feels like forever. And we've tried several times, but you know, just because you know, different people have to work on the weekends yeah. and you know, various things like that. And it's just the stars keep aligning. And so this was like the one time we're like, all right, we finally have a day. And then Mother Nature's all like, surprise, haven't you heard? <laughs> Exactly. So, you know. But that's that's kind of part of what we're talking about today just a little bit and that is 
being dynamic, mm-hmm. being able to adjust and and move with stuff. So, but less less in the sense of being flexible as a person, but more being flexible as a storyteller. When your uh, when your your players throw you a little bit of a curve, yeah. they they kind of go off the uh, the tracks that you've laid out for them. Yeah. And how do you make those sort of player choices matter and mold your story around them? Yeah. Now, I, I'm gonna frame because I felt like when we first started this that um, the idea of dynamic storytelling just kind of seems like storytelling to, mm-hmm. to a lot of people who do role-playing. Yeah. Um, but then it dawned on me that a lot of us started doing linear. And yeah. linear is just – is that I have a module. It is a dungeon crawl. I was you're just going to say modules, yeah. And, and yeah. dungeon crawls are very linear. It's mm-hmm. – you go from here. You know you're going to finish it. You're going to wipe whatever it is and you're at the end of the dungeon. You and the you, entrance. You, get you kill the dragon at the end. You get yeah. some treasure. Yeah. And that's – that is a linear dungeon. That is literally how most video games are regardless of their side quests and things like that. It's a linear story mm-hmm. that you hit story beats and you know even like some of the ones that have uh, you know epic – uh, you know, personality connections and and things like that. Um, you're still on a on rails mm-hmm. through the whole thing. Regardless, your choices might maybe alter the ending a little bit, but regardless, you're still coming to the same end. Yeah, it is the same scene with traditionally the same people. Your dialogue choices may be different, and like somebody may not die, or somebody may be there, or maybe not be there, and then the after view of what happens mm-hmm. might change slightly. You know, but again, it's still on rails, and there's nothing wrong with that. Those types of stories, I we all started there because it was easy, and people have generated those. Yeah, sure. And you follow those guidelines, and for the most part, most people's stories today are still on rails in many ways. You may deviate slightly for things, but in truth, you're you're still following what you believe the plot is from point A to point Z. Right, right. You know. And your villain has things that they're going to do at certain times. Movies are linear mm-hmm. and you think about them in a linear. So we've been taught this format. So getting to get to a point where you've got um, something that is not pre-generated, something that is truly moving into dynamic is when you're starting to include things like the narratives of the players, their histories Add to your plot or change the world and therefore change the direction that the game can go in. And they may or may not pursue those threads that they hand yep. you at, at session zero with their yep. with their character histories. And then you have games that are just straight up survival games. Yep. You do not know how they end. Uh, more uh, tabletop uh, games, um, pandemic mm-hmm. and things like that where you've got a set of rules and you have a progression that's going to occur. But it's dynamic. You have no idea what's going to happen at that table. The, the the fates drop as they do. And so in that sense, you really do have a a truly dynamic thing that you don't have uh, the feeling of it. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was getting at, Knox, is that like Dragon Age and Mass Effect 3, they're on rails. Oh, they, they are. I mean, but but that's the thing is that all all video games necessity, you know, by necessity are on rails. Yeah. Like even even games like, uh, you know, Detroit Become Human or something like that right. are, um, you know, they, they may have many rails. Right. But there's only so many outcomes you can get. Right. And strangely enough. Ark, which is a survival game, mm-hmm. is technically on rails. Technically on rails because – It just yeah, takes sure. you – you can go and do those things when you want to do them. But to get to the next progression place, you still have to follow steps. Looks like a sandbox, but it's got a very few key mm-hmm. objectives to mm-hmm. it that you still need mm-hmm. to complete to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, the other one um, is the other story games that uh, do that. Uh, they did uh, 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 Minecraft, uh, Telltale. Telltale does really oh, yeah. good linear storytelling yeah. that makes you feel like it's not uh-huh. because they have good branching in it. But it's beautiful storytelling. You you never lose it. Yep. Um, but There's yeah. a lot of rails that look like they go in a lot of different directions, but they're still rails. Yeah, they're still rails, but yep. they're fun rails. But but the thing is, is, though, is, 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 is that video game design is, is by, like that by necessity because mm-hmm. there's you have to program the outcomes. Yes. You, know? you can't just tell a computer to just roll with it. You know? and, but we're getting closer to that. But we're storytellers, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's I think the real charm, and this is especially in this day of day and age with in technology, where you've got a lot of these digital solutions, and and video games are becoming a lot more interactive and a lot more choice based, and open world and sandbox are world are words that we throw around, mm-hmm. you know, but 
they're still not able to capture the magic of what you know a, a good storyteller in a game of D anD D can do because at, at your table mm-hmm. with only your minds and mm-hmm. your imaginations, mm-hmm. anything is truly possible. Yeah, you know, and so you get to break away from that sort of thing, and you truly get dynamic storytelling out yeah. of that. And and that's where like people ask like why like what why is you know why use this why go in that right. direction why, why are you sitting around with pencils papers and dice and miniatures instead of just playing a video game well, this is why it's because you can get to that point yeah. you can you can do more than just act a scene that is predetermined you know and you can step into that with personality mm-hmm. and difference even if you're playing something like the Firefly game RPG which Deliberately is very much you're playing the Firefly characters yeah, at yeah, different yeah. points. You still have flexibility to change the story. Mm-hmm. And everybody – or not everyone, but many of the people who get into role-playing yearn for that. They want to see a little difference. Mm-hmm. They want the world. They want the character feels. But they want something that's different. They want to tell a different story. They mm-hmm. want to see where this character would have gone in that direction. And we do it with TV shows all the time. Sure. We talk about it with books. You know, we'll we'll watch a movie and we'll be like, well, wow, what would have happened if they just would have done this? You know, the what ifs. And yeah, comics yeah, yeah. did that great mm-hmm. with the what ifs is they gave us little glimpses of what would have happened if X would have happened instead. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and that kind of get, lend, lent us that additional push into that theater. I think that Choose Your Own Adventures kind of – expressed that to a degree as well because mm-hmm. those really did in some cases have some wildly dynamic endings. Oh, Most did, yeah. of them were death, but <laughs> – <laughs> Do you open the door? Yes. Well, it kills you. You're dead. OK. So um, – <laughs> but it, it gave you a feeling like you were part of it. Yeah. And I think that's where it comes into role-playing in that same regard. Um, people invest more. Yeah. They really do. They they want to be part of that world. They want to to see what would have happened. They want to push that big red shiny candy like button, you know, and see what's going to happen. Well, exactly. I mean, it's it's one thing to sit there and have a story handed to you, but like when you feel like you're the person who made the choice to mm-hmm. be there, you know, mm-hmm. then no, it's it's your choice. Yes, it's your story. You know. Yeah, it it is it is stone soup. That is a great way of putting it, Knox, because uh, everybody brings something to it, mm-hmm. and when they do, it changes. The broth completely. Oh, yeah. And now it's something completely different. And, and when you get to that point as a storyteller, when you start s- savoring it and you're like, wait, this is good. I like this. Uh-huh. Keep, keep it coming. You know, mm-hmm. now you start getting to that point that your brain may not be prepared for. Yeah. You know, when they do jump hard off the rails and you're frustrated because you don't know what's next. Right, right. You know, um, and I think that's really where the frustration kicks in. Is that a lot of times it's not the storyteller prepared for that, um, or or being being good no problem uh, being in that uh, in the right mind frame for dynamic storytelling. The players just decide they're not going to do it, right? You know, uh, and and they just take us they take a step off the rails. They mm-hmm. don't follow the quest. They don't follow the plot. They decide to follow something completely different. Um, and there's you, there's plenty of examples of this. I've, I I kind of wrote a few on here, just kind of give a feeling for us. But I, I know both of us have had situations in the past, personally, mm-hmm. as well as heard the stories. Oh, yeah. from friends time and time again about how they've done it. I've, I've put some examples in here, and the people who are on our podcast, some of them will recognize uh, at least one of the stories that I'm going to bring up. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As far as when things have gone off the rails, um, but I think you can. You can adjust if you're not prepared to go off the rails. Right, right. That there are ways that you can bring it back to the rails in funny ways. Now, see, uh, before you, before you get into this, um, I I, I want to uh, just bring my own my own perspective on this. Sure. So, so this whole bringing it back to the rails thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually one of the very first storytelling secrets that was ever told to me. Yes. Okay. Because. Um, uh, as I've said a couple times on our on, on this podcast, mm-hmm. I have I uh, started playing with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangenesses. Yes, and that's when I was like twelve. Okay, yeah. and uh, my brother was my first storyteller. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, he doesn't really role play anymore. He hasn't since basically college. Oh. But, uh, um, but he was he was my first storyteller. He was the first uh, first introduction to role playing games in general. Mm-hmm. Were him and his and his friends, and. Uh, so then when I said that I was interested in running a game um, and it was – I think it was shortly thereafter. I was like 14 or something like that when I think when I ran my first game. Cool. Um, the, the, the very 
smallest nugget of wisdom he imparted on me was called the illusion of free will. Yes. Okay. And that's always how I've thought of it is exactly in those terms is the illusion of free will. Mm -hmm. You allow your players to wander around inside of a box, Mm -hmm. but you never allow them to hit the walls. Yep. And so if if they're walking in a direction, they think it's because – it's their choice to walk in that direction. Yes. But the trick is framing it so that that's the only direction they possibly can walk. Right. But they chose to walk that way so it feels like it's theirs. Yeah. And they feel like they can do anything. Yep. So mm-hmm. to put that in perspective, I actually pulled this right off of Reddit that somebody had. Uh, and that was uh, their players had gone to a port city. It's the first time they'd gotten to a port city where this this king had a had a kingdom. Uh, and the king basically had uh, had presented them orders uh, to go hunt this person down, mm-hmm. to go find this person and bring them back. Uh, and it was going to lead them to Kaleid or, or Kaledi. And uh, the players never met with the informant that would let them know to go to Kaledi. They just wanted to get on a boat and go do some pirates because one of the players is like, hey, we're in a port town, guys. And they were like, yeah. Well, I mean, the king just gave us orders to find this guy. He didn't tell us where to go. So let's go just jump on a boat and go. We got money. <laughs> we can just go on a boat. We got like, boats. We got swords. Yo. Exactly. Like, I've always wanted to do this. Let's go do this. And the guy's like, oh, my God. That's right. We get our own boat then. Yeah. And then we can just go find this guy at some other point. Let's do this thing. And the DM was like so destroyed. He was like, oh, my God. Not only did they ignore the informant, but he eventually put the informant on the docks waiting for them, and he flat they flat out killed him, thinking that he was a bad guy. No, and so and it, and then because they had to get rid of the body, rolled it into the sea. Oh, jeez! And so he gave them every opportunity to find the information, uh-huh. and they just were like ready to get on the boat. So we need to go find a boat. Let's get into town, and we're gonna go find like somebody at the. And so he's like, I, I need help. I literally stopped them at an inn. Where there was a bunch of captains and said, we're going to stop here for the night and you know, I just need to write up something sure, you know, sure, sure, sure. to get you guys going. But he didn't tell them that there was a problem. You know, he just was – You know, they just thought he was frustrated because how quickly they killed the, the villain. Right, know, right, right. So people started presenting different things and it really came down to that you've got two main directions, a force way of doing it mm-hmm. or being surreptitious. Mm-hmm. And forced is the thing. Literally, the only captain there who you can afford is going to Kalaid. That's where you're going. Mm-hmm. There are no other ships that you can get on. And if you do that, your players are going to be upset at you because they don't want to go to Kalaid. They want to get on a boat and go and out and have fun. So he's like – "Yeah." So another person said, do it surreptitiously. This is what I would do. You lay out that there are three captains and ships. One is going to Galmont and is plush and reasonable captain uh, that they have great rapport with because they talked to the king. But along the way, the ship gets damaged in a storm and must make a safe harbor at Kalaid. And you, you, the story can go from there. Mm-hmm. The second is a merchant ship laden with wares and cramped. It has to make three stops, Orain, Kalaid, and Galmont. So they'll end up there anyways. Uh-huh. The third is a questionable captain who frequents the Emerald Isle known as a Pirate's Cove. If they take that ship, the captain decides to do a bit of work for the king and attacks a rival nation ships. Damage is taken on the ship and he must go to a, por- a proper port for repair. Kalaid. Kalaid. Yep. And all of those are things that just can happen without the players knowing. Yep. It puts them back in the box. Right. And nobody and, – and, and you, you said here that nobody ever mentioned that they needed to go to Kalaid. No. So the, Kalaid just feels like it's a random location at this Correct. point to them. And if you, know? you say it in that way, it's like uh, the, the captain's literally trying to figure out of a good place to go. You know, like, you know, we need some place where I can get – I can use the king's funds because I can't end up at all these spots. Uh – uh, navigation. What's the closest uh, King's Port? Um, Kalaid. Looks like Kalaid's nearby, sir. All right, yeah, we're going to go to Kalaid. That's going. Mm-hmm. We can at least make Kalaid. You know, kind of a thing. And uh, the other thing that somebody said was, it, nobody knows that it has to be Kalaid. There's no reason why they have to go to Kalaid. I mean, yes, maybe you set it up because Kalaid is a city you've drawn maps for, and it's a nice port town, and maybe it's got all these other things, but. You've done that. That there's no reason why, as a storyteller, it has to be Calais. Mm-hmm. You could adapt. It could. They could just as easily find that person in the pirates' cove, right, or right. on a ship that they're chasing down. There's all kinds of reasons. 
that you can change where the plot needs to go to get to the results. I remember we we talked about this um, mm-hmm. uh, a number of episodes back um, yeah. about you know so this kind of doing the same thing with searching searching a room for a clue or something like that. Yes, and how you know like you you've written down that that clue is in the safe, and mm-hmm. when they search, for, they'll find the key to the safe, and they open it up, and then they'll have the clue. But they never they they either don't make the role to find the key, or they don't bother to search the thing. Well, now you know. What's important is that they get that clue, you know. So if they can't open the safe, well, maybe it's just sitting on the desk, right? Or maybe a servant happens to mention it, or something like that. But, right? You know. So it's it. I think the key there is look at what's important, yes. what needs to happen. I mean, maybe Collade is the important part. Yeah. Maybe it's geographically important. Right. You can dump them off there, and anything can happen. Correct. But if all that needs to happen is they need to talk to you know dude X mm-hmm. to further the plot, and doesn't really have to be in Clayton. Well, you know, shit, put them in anywhere. Yeah. You know. I mean, and and another thing is that uh, a lot of times, and we've talked about this back and forth, <clears throat> is when you need story beats to go in a certain direction. For instance, yeah. maybe it's been heavy combat. And now your social interactive characters are a little down because they haven't gotten to use their chops. And you're like, yep, well, yep. I have to get them out of the woods. We just got out of the woods. And now they want to get on a damn boat and go do piracy. That player's going to kill me. You know, I need them to get back to an effing library so this person can do what they want. Mm-hmm. Kalade was the perfect place for them to go. In fact, one of the players really knows about Kalade and can use the, their city knowledge or whatever. Yep. There's reasons why you might want to do it, but it doesn't have to be clayed. It can be another city. Mm-hmm. It can be any number of things. And that's and, and, and hell, if the city is not important, let them pick. Yeah. Give them three cities as options. Yeah. And then again, you've put the choice right back in their hands and then your plot can continue no, ma- no matter what word comes out of their mouth. Yeah. Do they want to go to Kalade? Do they want to go to Galatea? Or do they want to go to Colfell? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Any one of those. That's this right. next scene is going to happen the way right. that it goes. There's yeah. going to be a library. Yep. Your library dude's going to get to do library stuff. Yep. And to put that into a different perspective, uh, and that <clears> it, it is it in your own mind, every city has an in with the person that you need them to meet. Yep. It doesn't matter what city they go to. He's going to be waiting there in that inn. To give them the information mm-hmm. that that's what's going to happen, and so it's uh, it kind of goes back to uh, um, Chris's idea of the uh, the store that has everything in it. Oh and yeah, it's in every major city except for Beirut, nineteen eighty seven. Like we uh, we talked about that in our uh, managing NPCs uh, yeah. uh, episode, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's in your head as a storyteller mm-hmm. that wherever they need to be is there waiting for them in mm-hmm. some capacity. And so then it's just a matter of now that thing, you write it down, is that thing in that city mm-hmm. and you just prepare for whatever the next thing is and let them go. <laughs> Nothing has to be as random as long as you let it feel like it was meant to be, mm-hmm. you know, that it's it's right there, you know. And I, I think that's that's the beauty of dynamic storytelling when you need to follow a plot. Now I'm gonna off, I'm gonna offer one one alternative um, to this, and that is so you've you've got this labeled as as uh, adaptation, mm-hmm. okay? I'm gonna offer the alternative, uh, and I know I don't have it jotted down on the show sheet. No, is, go for it. <laughs> um, I'll probably feel what we were talking about. Is the obstacle course? Oh yeah. Um, okay, and that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Right, 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 right. Uh, and so it's a, it's an approach that that I decided to take. Uh, so I my the, the the major overarching plot in my game yeah. is that there is a bandit king mm-hmm. um who is doing some really really bad shit in a remote part of the country. Right. Uh he's essentially taken over the entire countryside that is north of this major city. Right. And spoilers. No. I don't know. Well, it's not spoilers. That's, a, that's <laughs> literally I said it that literally I said that. That's and, why I said it that way. Spoilers. <laughs> um but uh, uh I basically let you guys loose kind of sandbox style on on the highlands and just said like, yeah, there's a lot of little villages out here. And I wanted you guys to have the freedom to be able to kind of wander around and feel out how bad things had gotten there under bandit rule Mm -hmm. and some of the things that they were doing. And so if you decided to go left instead of right, I wasn't going to – that wasn't going to be a curveball for me. I mean I figured out we're playing division. I got that. Right. So the uh, so what I did was I kind of set it up as an obstacle course. Yeah. Okay. It's very much every that. every point on that map has a little bit of plot. Yeah. And there are some plot pieces, 
particularly when they're tied to people mm-hmm. um, that may move around that map. Right. OK. And, and, and that will have to do with a lot of you know what, what you guys are doing. You know, right. if you cause a ruckus that may attract someone to your mm-hmm. to your location, et cetera, et cetera. That's just something I kind of, you know, run as a run as a, a, as a calculation in my in, in the back of my head. But ultimately – We need a framing here. OK. Knox said plot points, question mark. Okay, we'll so, get to, we'll get to that. I, I just wanted to make sure that we we, we hear you next. Right. We're going to explain plot points in a second, but go ahead. Yep, I'm, I'm I'm getting there. Go for okay, it. Okay, so um, for instance, plot point: you guys decide to enter the Highlands. Mm-hmm. Okay, there is one main road that goes from the major city mm-hmm. into the Highlands. Yep. Okay, that city that that little village is called Ardglass. Sure. So as a plot point, the very first thing you're going to run into is a bandit border patrol. This is going to be your first initial run-in with the bandits. Mm-hmm. You're going to see how they operate. You're going to see how much stronger they are in the mm-hmm. Highlands than they were the little rumpty group you ran into a couple sessions ago. Uh. And that's going to be a little bit – and they're going to give you some some information depending on how – you know how you handle it. You you, uh, you guys ended up interrogating that group. We did, and you learned a bit about the major players out there, mm-hmm. and you learned a bit about how they were operating. Yep. Okay, and a little bit about what they wanted. Yeah, I would say we got the first. Uh, I'll, I'll make a percentage up mm-hmm. the first fifteen percent of the truth. Yes, and yes. that that is the way I see a, a good plot point is what percentage of the story has been uncovered. Mm-hmm. That is a heart. It's sometimes called a plot beat. It's sometimes called a heartbeat. Some, yep. And often top, we refer to it as a plot point. Yes. Is that you're you're revealing a little bit more that it's a percentage of the map. It's a it's a feeling for those. So that's where I see it as. Mm-hmm. So you get you get into the village, mm-hmm. and then you meet the townspeople. The townspeople tell you about what their lives are like under the bandits. You learn a little bit more about how they operate. There's another. There's another encounter where mm-hmm. some more bandits come in and stuff like that. So you, you now you're getting a, a second part of this plot is there's a pretty heavy presence. This is mm-hmm. like two fights in one day. Yeah, you know. But from there, where do you go? Mm-hmm. Well, you could have gone to the the you know the town that's to the east, or you could have gone to the town that's to the west. There are, or you could have gone off road. Mm-hmm. Okay, we almost um, did. You almost did. I, I gave you essentially three, you know, three different directions you could go. Mm-hmm. You could stay on the road west, stay on the road east, or go off road. Or and all try of Skyrim, to... go right over the mountain. Yeah, or or yeah, go right over the mountain. Yeah. And I had so I had things that I prepared for each of those. Yeah. Okay. So if you end up going west, you find out X, Y, and Z, which adds to the 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 overall big picture that you're gonna that you're gonna mm-hmm. learn. And there were there are events that when you show up will happen. Mm-hmm. It's not important when these things happen. It's not important why you happen or why these these things happen. But when you show up, these events are already in motion and mm-hmm. you just happen to show up yep. when they're unfolding Yep. so that story can happen, reveals can happen, truths can be learned, choices can be made. Yep. OK. And then as you guys choose – again, there's like three roads that lead out of that village. Yep. What do you choose? OK. Mm-hmm. And, but w- no matter where you choose, A, B, or C, there's going to be something – that happens there that reveals more of the picture. Yep. And it's just an obstacle course. Yep. I don't care how you guys go through it. Mm-hmm. But every one of these points mm-hmm. on this open world map essentially is going to be an obstacle for you. Right. And yep. I've got game sessions worth of stuff just written because it's it's ready to go. You just haven't made it to that town yet. Yeah. But when and, you do. And I've got the the other side of that, which is being able to go with where the flow is going in it, and that is I've got my plot listed in such a way that events will happen as they need to happen, mm-hmm. wherever they need to happen like you're saying. But at yeah. the same time, I've already written a whole bunch of mini stories about the players mm-hmm. so that at any point in time, if I'm watching a player and they're really enjoying themselves and they're going to be ready for the game, I can just immediately change gears and say, OK, on your way, this, this happens. happens. Yep. And now I've written something dynamic for that player. And that is is painted in a different – and it gives everybody a little bit more plot, a different mm-hmm. piece of the plot, you know, a percentage that is, go, is going to happen at other, some other time. But because it was good for that player, it keeps the story lifted and keeps that energy lifted and gives a little bit more insight into something else beyond my plot. Yes. That opens – it. You know, it, you know, you may be uncovering 
a a painting, mm-hmm. you know, in in the image, and like, what are we really seeing here? You know, how how are we going to be able to see uncover this entire painting to get a feel for the entire view? But while you're doing it, I also will show you the trim. I will show you where it's hanging. I will show you a placard that talks about it, you know, which aren't necessarily the image of the painting, mm-hmm. but they are all the things that make it more interesting. Context. Correct. They add context. Correct. So I always find that interesting because a lot of video games do that really well, but only for the world. They explore more of the world than the player. Uh, Knox is asking, do yeah. you save these pieces uh, to give moments to players that haven't had anything to do for a bit to bring them back into the limelight? No. I would say that I don't do it when they're – when it's uh, – I, I rarely do things for players when I feel that they are disproportionately balanced. I will actively change that in the plot. Mm-hmm. For instance, if I see that my next plot story is going to be combat related and I know that my players are really like – one of my players who's a social player isn't feeling that they're part of things, I will make sure that they are involved directly in the plot. Mm-hmm. These things I will do when I see that – or I'm sorry. I'm When I said – let me rephrase that. When I see that a character is not being utilized. Right, right. And they're not using their character and I need to switch that up, that's when I'll do that. But if I see that a player is truly enjoying themselves and are active in the plot and they've got that energy, I will express one of these times for them mm-hmm. so that I see that the player carries that story. Right, right. They're going to want to run with it then. And now their more plot comes out of that. The other players feel that energy and it brings the whole story along a little further. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the main plot point that I'm running there, but it carries the story in a different way. So you're you're a little more proactive, I'm a little more reactive. Mm-hmm. Cuz I would say my answer to that to, to that question uh is exact opposite. Yeah. Um as is I I do um feel like sometimes you know a plot revolves around one person a little bit more and some people tend to get neglected especially mm-hmm. at a larger group i've got mm-hmm. six people at my table mm-hmm. you know so i do try to spread it out a little bit we're like you know you haven't really had anything to do for the last 3 games so this game session i'm going to try to tailor the story a little bit more so you feel useful you feel involved i may i may pull some threads from your backstory mm-hmm. or you know Change. You know, I, I may have some notes jotted down about uh, you know a certain character acting a certain way or being from a certain region or something mm-hmm. like that. But now, now they're you know they're a Nord just like you. Mm-hmm. You know now they're from Skyrim just like you. you okay. Know? Um, I think we're on the same wavelength in different ways. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But but yeah, I think I think ultimately you know it's just finding the right moment mm-hmm. and the right energy to pull threads in for different characters and knowing your group like the players themselves yeah being able to read how they're feeling because though i i know one of the hardest things that i find in, especially for dynamic mm-hmm. storytelling is when you get together as a group and the one of the players that you wanted to have heavily involved is just the the care the player is not with you yeah like they're sick they're had a shitty week and they're not focused so they're missing the they, they just miss everything that you yep. painted for them yep and somebody else is picking it up and now they're having a great time and that player's feeling even worse. Yep. And you're like, well shit, that backfired all to hell. Mm-hmm. You know, I I that I think that's the worst thing as a storyteller is that you when your plot flays flat when you expected it to do something else. So I hope that kind of answers that knocks a little bit more. Um Let's see. I think we, we, we jumped off the rails here. Yeah, well, a little bit. Um, uh, you were well talking about going with the flow, I think. Yeah, we were kind of going Just, just getting to that before yeah. I derailed you utterly. No, that's OK. We were just talking about it. But sometimes like when players legitimately derail, uh-huh. like they just jump off rails. Like uh, I, I, one of our illustrious uh, listeners who eventually will hear this uh, had a story where in their game, they literally were saving a girl from a well. And oh, yeah, the yeah, plot yeah. was more about what – the reason why she was down there and when they were down there, what they found. Mm-hmm. They ignored that <laughs> and saved the girl and learned about the girl who was a nobody NPC, that she was an orphan, but she really – you know, she need, she was she didn't have anything. And so they ended up getting her settled, getting her money and eventually sending her to Wizards College. Mm-hmm. And the storyteller ran with that a little bit. It had nothing to do with his plot. Or where he wanted to go with it. But the players were invested in it. They were so it. invested in that little girl. It frustrated him. But they were so invested in that little girl to find out what was going on. Right. You know, 
And so they just made it work. The DM made it work. And I think sometimes you just have to let them run. Oh, absolutely. Let them go off in that direction. Honestly, I I think it's one of the best things you can possibly do as a storyteller. Exactly. It's definitely definitely taxing on you as a storyteller to be like, I didn't write any of this stuff. Now I need to make it up on the fly. I didn't give you this cat toy to have you play with the container that it came in. Right. (laughs) Right. But – but when players do that stuff, they are telling you this is something they care about. Or what they wanted that night. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like if, if you're trying to give them all a bunch of, you know, deep, scary, like soul, you know, shaking, you know, plot and they're just – they just want to get drunk in the tavern. Like that, get drunk in the tavern. get drunk in the tavern. Have something weird happen. Roll some random dice. You know, the tavern wench comes over and tells him a joke or something like that. Yeah. You know, what? Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Let them let them arm wrestle. Have a battle of the bards. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, the other thing that I say to that also is that the world keeps ticking. Yeah. Always keep if you're if you're adamant about your plot that your plot's important mm-hmm. to you, and you want to make sure that that happens. Let them know that the world like give them little beats from that. Maybe those you know whatever was down in the battle of the well didn't change. So now the the keep that is that was where they were digging to using the sewers gets raided. Mm-hmm. Right in town and they're like, wait a second, like while we're getting drunk at at the bar with the, you know, with the girl we saved because we just ate really well and she's all been fed. We hear all the town guard to arms, to arms. And they're and they all go running, running down the, the street, down to the keep. Which is now locked from the inside and getting – everyone's getting murdered, you yep. know, kind of a thing. So uh, was it? Nice, nice. Yeah, I was just I was reading through some of the stuff that uh, that Overwatch was saying, but it's it's true. Uh, that's when you have the adorable little girl say, "Did you talk to the uh, to the other well people when you when you rescued me?" And their voices came from the scary carving. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then you have like the the players' backstories mm-hmm. that they'll dive into. And, you know, we'll be interested in that you weren't necessarily prepared for. I mean, some players will be really good and talk to a DM about their backstories. Yeah. And others will just like have a couple lines. But in their head, they know the meaning of when they see a dark elf, what it means to them. Oh, yeah. And suddenly like your one dark elf that you have randomly in a pub is now going to get it. Yeah. You know, and you're like, what? you're going to murder a dark elf in the middle of this town, which is acceptable. They like dark elves here. It's perfectly fine. Like, oh, no, they murdered my, you know, grandson, you know, and and now they must pay. It's like, oh, okay. And sometimes you're like, dude, you've been quiet for the last three game sessions. Like, where is this coming from? And all of a sudden you're on a holy quest, you know. Roll with it. But they'll do it. Roll with it. They will do it. Maybe that dark elf is more important than you thought, Mm -hmm. you know. And and I think that's where – the the choices that they're making uh, as players allow you to shift plot yeah, in the background or add plot that was unexpected. And that's where stories can get out of your hands. But that's the whole thing is, is that it's a group effort. Mm-hmm. Once you've done that, once you can get to the comfortable point where you can release control a little bit and just make a note and then between games like, all right, so we just killed that dark elf and I left the dark elf's dagger. And for some reason, one of the other players thinks that that's the dagger that killed a guy in the other town and they now think he was the assassin. So they're wondering how he's involved. I mean – Maybe he is it, involved. Could it be? You know, I mean and let, me, just, let me see if I can start connecting some of these dots here. I mean there's really no reason that guy can't be. Right. Huh. And then you just – Tie it in. Yeah. And now your players feel and now your players feel great. Because they They have no idea he was a rando NPC. And they feel great because all of a sudden they uncovered this conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, On the same I'll say this in the same illusion of free will. When the Mm -hmm. when the one player who tries to derail the whole story by doing crazy dumb things suddenly keeps finding himself falling face first into plot balls. Yeah. You know, hey. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes stories just got to get told. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. What's right. this last piece you got on here? Uh, so uh, dynamic storytelling can be involved. Yes. Uh, it's not easy to calculate the implications of unforeseen player choice at the table. That like, is very true. Look, improving is tough. Okay, there are whole like schools. This is one of the things that makes like the Critical Role cast so good is because they're so practiced at improv. <laughs> 
that you know, I mean, they're two professional levels. But you can still see it on Matt's face when they you do can. something insane. Absolutely, and he is totally not prepared. Oh, yeah, for it. I cast control water and capsize your and capsize the ship that's chasing us. Okay, well, there goes three hours of content. <laughs> yeah, the, I really had all those guys written up in a whole bunch of plot, but yeah, uh, it's but, now uh, broken on the shore. Well. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> One spell and a lucky die roll. See ya. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, it, it, it's happened. It's 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 happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. Oh, yeah. Where somebody just derails you so bad yep. that you need to stop and think about it. Do it. Um, if you need to, literally, like I mean, uh, well, heck, last game session. Yeah. I only had so much written. I didn't know what choices you guys were going to make and you guys made some made some hard choices. You moved in a very driven way. Yeah. Um you were very decisive. You mm-hmm. didn't faff around a lot mm-hmm. or, or talk to NPCs. Mm-hmm. You talked to a few here and there, but by 6:30, we usually play till 8 in the in the evening. Yeah. Um by 6:30, you guys had gotten to a point where like I'm not prepared to continue to run this plot. That's fine. I need to sit down, get some calculations. I want to get a couple minis painted because I, I've I've literally purchased the minis from Hero Forge mm-hmm. for this mm-hmm. for these NPCs. Yep, and they're still sitting in in my <laughs> on my printer That's basically. Okay. So I wanted to have them painted. I want to have some scenery set up. I was yep. not prepared to run that, so I yep. said, you know what? It's six thirty. We're all tired. We work tomorrow. Yeah, let's end game here. Yeah. And uh, that gives me another month to think about it and get some minis painted and really yeah. set that up so that it's a good scene and not a rushed and improv scene. Right. You know. Right. And don't don't be afraid to do that. No. No. Don't and be sometimes, afraid to do that at all. And I will flat out say this: in some game systems, you can get away with throwing a random encounter in between. Um, I think that Seven C does that really well, where you can uh, you can you can shift scenes to something that is in between. Um, and sometimes you need to do that so that uh, that you have more time but your players don't feel – I mean literally if your players derail and go left and finish something too quick and it's been like two hours and you're like they really need to do something today. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's good to throw something random in there yeah. and make it feel that's important. Yeah. And that's the only difference is I, the more you do it, the more you'll be able to make those random moments to fill in the gaps or to to make up for time mm-hmm. and make things important feel like they were planned. Yeah. Everything needs to feel planned. That's the key. Because if your players feel that you're stumbling, they will stumble mm-hmm. and feel that it's incomplete. Yeah, they'll, but feed, if, they'll feed off your energy, whatever energy you're handing them. Yeah. But if you give them something important out of it, they'll feel like it was planned out. And that's one of the most beautiful things you can do for them. Absolutely. So – all right, we got about fifteen minutes left. Do you want to answer some questions? We're going to try and answer some of these questions. Oh my god, we got so many questions. We I'm really so do. proud of all of you. We, yeah, right this now. is beautiful, and we always love questions because it helps us go. I did not look at any of these. I just literally pasted them in. I uh, I, I glanced at them. Okay, I don't know that I have prepared answers for them, but uh, okay. but but I, I I read them. Okay, <laughs> pick one to start with. All right, uh, you know what, Shibijib. <laughs> we don't uh we don't we don't we don't go that direction uh very often we, we don't, don't get a lot of ch- a lot of questions from shibi no, and no. i love her name yes so we're gonna go with shibi right. asks us how do you keep track of changes when your players move in new or random directions how do you keep track of it um more times than not i will make quick notes mm-hmm. i'll make little cliff cliff notes on a sheet mm-hmm. um and uh, keep track of the few things that I've told them in great detail so that I can then go, OK, well, I don't want this. Right? What am I going to do with this? Mm-hmm. And then I I literally between games will just mull over it and think up new ideas and try and figure out where I'm going to go with that. Yep. But the hardest part is is keeping track of things that are not part of your plot. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just write them in as cliff notes and highlight them. Because they're not part of my story. They're things that they threw in. And then if I end up adding them to the story, I'll make sure that I link back and be like, okay, remember this back in episode two. Go back to it and reread it. Yep. We're now doing this in 27. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm going to second your your good note taking. Mm-hmm. Always uh, important. Definitely good note taking. Um, and uh, again, I'm kind of going to go back to uh, my own obstacle course mm-hmm. uh, sort of thing. At least have a rough sketch of what's going on nearly everywhere. That that, yeah. that that could possibly be accessible by your group. Yep. Um, and so if they do improv something, at least you've got an idea mm-hmm. of like, okay, it's going to be an encounter involving goblins because I know that's a goblin area that they just wandered into. Yep. Uh, shit, I can throw something together with that. But yep. but at least I, I know I've got 
it's a goblin area. Yes. Written down somewhere. Yes. You know. Yep. So you got a jumping off point. You don't have to completely pull it out of your, you know, mm-hmm. out of your rear end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. All right. You do one now. Um, Let's see here. I'm going to say we're going to jump to Technolich. Okay. Uh, what's a good way to encourage more RP in player that doesn't feel confident in their acting skills? I've got, I think, two things okay. for this. Okay. Um, first off, uh, always respond in kind to mm-hmm. your to your players. Okay. Um, so I would say put put your best foot forward. You know, put on. Uh, are you okay? You yeah, just, I just punch the mic. Punch the microphone. Yeah, f that microphone yeah. in particular. Um. So uh, definitely put your put your best foot forward. Um, you know, if you've got someone who who's having a little trouble coming out of their shell at the table, um, you know, do your accents, do mm-hmm. your you know, uh, get, uh, your, your you know, gesticulate while you're while you're talking and stuff like that. Do whatever you can to bring the NPC that you're representing to life. Mm-hmm. But if they try to respond in kind, be encouraging of that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, eat, eat it up. Whatever. Yes, and. Mm-hmm. Yes and. That's the big thing. Yes and them. Yes. Um, the second thing is if you do have a new player at your table or new players, mm-hmm. um, I find it's always good to have a ringer at the table with yes. you, an experienced role player who will show them. So it's not just the the storyteller who's doing a bunch of wild you know, accents and gesticulations at them. Right. But you – know, and then the players just kind of sitting there stoic. Have someone at the table who you know will get into it like that. Mm-hmm. That gives the new player silent permission to act. Yes. And I, I will add to that. Mm-hmm. I will say that uh, much like uh, Draven just said, use their character names when you talk to them. Yes. I think uh, I think there's two parts. This. One, it's not Rob. It's your initiative. It's Theodane. Yes. It's your turn. Yes. And then uh, I think for combat, I like, uh, I like the way you do it, but I think there's a, a good way, which is roll and then – Ask them. So, how are you doing this? Because mm-hmm. the role already shows whether it was successful or not. Mm-hmm. Let them let them explain it. Sure. Give them give them time to be a little creative. I like finishing moves that way too because I think it's good in social interactions. Again, roll first, mm-hmm. know what happened, and you know encourage them to. Okay, so so let's let's talk. You know, tell tell me how you're going to do this. Let's right. talk. Let's talk through this. How are you going to you intimidate know, them? You know, and mm-hmm. then just. Go with it and and get be expressive when as they're saying things to you. Like be the character on the other side that they're mm-hmm. talking to. You know, be a gas. You know, if it's something intimidating as all hell, or or ha- be impressed and 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 all fluttered. You know, if it's it's if it's an impassioned kind of a thing. So yeah, give them the kudos, but physically change your demeanor to be that NPC. Yeah, so absolutely. that so suddenly it is, it is acting for them, mm-hmm. and you'll feel that they act more. Yeah, because it, it it draws them in. Mm-hmm. It makes it more real for them. You know, the the this is why I'm like I'm a big proponent of like background music and pl- and, and and props and stuff like that. Because the less you need to stretch your imagination mm-hmm. to put yourself in that scene, yeah, the less work you have to do, and the more the more power, more brain power you have for concentrating on what is my character doing. Yeah, and just being there. Yeah, you know, find out also because um, I, I was looking at what uh, Draven put down. Um, find out what they know, what draw them to them to the character. If if you know that their character concept was a direct steal of John Wick, and and they're kind of John Wicking it up, mm-hmm. throw it in there. Be like, okay, so you you just did this huge thing. Like, is that from like the first movie where he's just you know he whips around the corner, grabs the guy, shoots him in the head, spuns, shoots the other guy in the head, and then cocks the other guy so he's under his arm and puts two more rounds in him? Is it like that? Uh-huh. And then they're like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that kind of starts getting them in the visual of their own mind yeah. of what they're going to do because eventually they're going to surprise you and be like, so I slide across the car. I'm like, OK, all right. All right, all right. You know? Give me an acrobatics check. Yeah, let's, let's do this. Do this you know? thing, you know. And that kind of stuff gives flavor and it gets mm-hmm. them in the right mystical mind eye yeah. of who they originally were. But they've already been in that direction mm-hmm. and they're already feeling it and they start pumping it and you'll get to that flow. Yep. So that's where I would go with it. I agree. All right. Uh, let's go – well, uh, the, the person who suggested this show topic uh, himself, the uh, our, our Patreon contributor, sure. Knox Oh, the yeah. Box. We should definitely do one of those. All right. So we've got two questions here. Um, 
Do you feel that that tailoring a story's presentation based on how your players each learn is what makes story dynamic storytelling work better? Mm. Um, yes and no. Yes and no. I think there's there's aspects you can use to how people learn, but at the same time, they're, you're kind of locked into a medium with tabletop role playing games, and so like I, I I learn by doing. Yeah, you know. Um, and I, you're not going to be able to teach. I'm not. It's not going to improve my role play any better by utilizing that. Like, there's nothing a storyteller can help me do other than just let me play. I will. I will add this to this, and I will say this. All right. I don't think for dynamic storytelling in that regard, but I think in dynamic plot reveal. If you're working with a specific character who is very visual, that. I will make sure that the room is detailed and expressive so that they see in their mind exactly what it looks like. If it's a player who is very auditory, listen, you know, auditory, I might make sure that when I'm delivering plot to them, mm-hmm. it's a social piece and it's very poignant and it has an accent yeah. and it has drive. If it's a person who's very logistic, you know, who who needs to read it maybe and get it down that way, I might make a prop. Yeah, and flat out hand it to them. Yeah, you know, I might yeah. make a map. I might make a prop. I might give them an example. Um, yeah, no, no, or no all might, of that. Or yeah, I might absolutely. do multiples to make sure I pull the right group pieces mm-hmm. together. So I think in that regard, I think in that regard, Knox, it is a flavor of dynamic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, in that regard, so because uh, it is, it, you are making changes to make sure that you're fitting. But I think it's more accommodating. It's plot. It, it's. Yeah. It's accommodation, yeah. player accommodation rather yeah. than dynamic storytelling. It's accommodating storytelling. Right. right, uh, right for right. the player. And I think that is exceptionally important. And if you're if you can really do that live, you're mm-hmm. you're amazing at getting the story out to the right players. Oh god, yeah. And it's oh, it's god, hard. Yeah. It's hard to keep that in your head. That's definitely um, one of those stars you always reach for and you know, yeah. <laughs> some sometimes hit. Yep, yep. So um, uh you wanna hit Overwatch? Um, either that or veteran or veteran. We, have oh, veteran veteran. we haven't had veteran in a while. Yeah, I think Overwatch's question is is kind of big. Um, uh, yeah. Let's 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 hit veteran real quick. All right, all right. Um, splitting the party. Do you ever do this intentionally? Do you discourage players from doing it on their own initiative? How do you keep your players engaged? I think that's a lot of that's that's two real questions there. In my personal opinion, uh, just in the two that he's got. But, um, what do you think? Uh. Okay, I mean, obviously, look, splitting the party always makes things difficult, um, and and not not just from your typical they're going to pick us off because we have fewer numbers sort of things. But mm-hmm. when whenever you split the party, you run into the difficult situation where you've got half of your table not doing something correct, not involved in the story at mm-hmm. all. Like maybe maybe it's okay if like you know you sense that you know a couple people want to get up, stretch their legs, you know, go use the restroom, grab a snack, something like that. Um, but I think uh, I, I try to discourage it just simply, be, simply because we're all adults who yeah. have taken a day out of our busy schedules once a month yeah. to be in the same place at the same time for a couple hours. Yeah. And I don't want to tell half of my group that for the next two hours they don't get to do anything. Right. You know, or however long. Yeah. Honestly. I think with 7th C, they do a good job of – because you players don't die or characters don't die. Mm-hmm. Heroes don't die to dumb things like falling off a building. Um, so removing from someone from a scene maybe um, instead of splitting the party mm-hmm. and then they have to explain how they got back. Right, right. You know, and then it's, it's them sitting back and figuring out how they got back or you telling them how they got back. Um, I think that's that's the variant there. I think splitting – Splitting parties up is only good if it is important for one of those groups, meaning uh, – and I, I go to things where – mostly in movies mm-hmm. where you have a group that's maybe involved in a chase and w- somebody gets broken off from them because they've got to do something like that. Three Musketeers is a good example of yep. that. Like you've got the three the three main characters of the that are the Musketeers that are literally on their way somewhere and D'Artagnan has to go and make a delivery mm-hmm. of a note. And suddenly he's on a solo story for a scene and then they show up right, at right. the end of that. And I think those kind of moments because you have plot exposition that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that it is driven home without a doubt 
that is a good way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially if you're dealing with a scenario that maybe your combat is getting too long mm-hmm. and you need plot to happen before the end of the night. Perfect example. Great way. Slide someone out, you know, out of a chute, you know, out of the room through a trap door or something like that. And now they're stuck in an oubliette-like space with the body of someone who was there before. Mm-hmm. And now there's plot. And then the party, you know, gets done with their combat, has to go rescue them and eventually finds them, you know. But they find plot. There's a reason why they're there, you know. Yeah, yeah. And not part of that combat. Draven's over here uh, giving my answer for me in the chat. Which is? Uh, he says, uh, yeah, jumping back and forth between two groups can be amazing when done right. Yes. Uh, I love when I can pause one group on a major cliffhanger. Do, always that, do that. That was exactly what I was, what I was about to say. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, it just, just doing that whole like, okay, you go off and blah, 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 blah. While you're doing that, what are you guys doing? Right. Okay. And then this happens and that happens yeah. and that happens. Okay. And as he rounds the corner, Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the other side of the town, you are currently. Yeah, you know, yeah. as you, you creep down the hallway, and just as you get up to the door and listen, you, know, you hear him talking about how they're going to be taking over the village. The maniacal laughs cart through as your head slowly starts to turn away from your cupped ear at the door. You hear click of a revolver next to your head, and now we move back to the other group who's just outside, right? You know, and they're like, "Yep, what? Wait, would you what? <laughs> like, who just put a revolver to my head? You know, kind of a thing." <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. We'll get to we'll that. Don't worry. We'll get there. <laughs> They've been waiting patiently. That's right. And now it's their turn. <laughs> you know, you know, and that's the whole thing. And like, you are now sitting in front of a group of guards, questioning whether or not you're going to be able to get through the gate. One of you is wearing a dress. Who is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, actually, Knox brings up a great point too. Uh, Sean actually did this really excellently. Oh, okay. Um, uh, th- this weekend, oh. um, we had uh, we we had a four person group. Okay. Um, because one of our players uh, had to work that day, but right, right. um, uh, two of us went off to go talk to the uh the the noble that mm-hmm. gave us the the job to go do the plot in the first place, and um. We had discovered a bunch of you know nasty stuff that was going on in the plot that the noble didn't know about. Okay. So uh, Knox and uh, his roommate went off to the library to go do some research and figure ah. out just how deep this rabbit hole went. All right. And Sean actually did that perfectly where he was literally bouncing like back and forth mid-conversation. Okay, make another research roll. You're going to find out this. You're going to find out that. Now, back to Sarah and yes. – and, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And – uh, sometimes you can uh, you can like in Seven C you can do it really well, and they actually had a really good example of uh, combat beats and conversational beats, mm-hmm. at where literally you have a duel going on, and as the duel strike happens, you cut back to the other group and you say, you know, and he makes this jousting remark at you, you know, and you you just you go back and forth through those kinds of things, and you can make scenes happen like that very mm-hmm. well too um i think it works really well in those types of stories where it's very thematic very cinematic and you can move quickly but you really have to have the right groups mm-hmm. and the right feel for people to do that and know when to pause it also um jumping back and forth between split parties mm-hmm. uh also affords you one of my favorite situations in in role playing mm-hmm. and that is you go through a whole scene with party a uh-huh. right and they end up in some hijinks. Right. And then rejoin with party B. Yeah. And you get to describe out of context. The hijinks. The hijinks. Yes. So you guys are over there minding your own business in the tavern when suddenly <laughs> the <laughs> the party's rogue busts through the door looking exasperated and wet and covered in ochre jelly. <laughs> All I have to say, Ryan Reynolds, I was up here. <laughs> And the whole scene's happening around him. There's like a gunfight and a chase. Yep. And he's he's just talking to this guy at like a beer stand. And he's explaining like where he was at. And there's gunfire going yep. on. The scene's happening. You know what's going on. And yet he's still just going through a personal dialogue crisis. Yes. It, it's things like that that you're just like, holy crap, did that just happen? <laughs> like – so, yes. Yeah, Overwatch says uh, Shadowrun was the worst at that. Astral actions, matrix actions, oh, combat actions. Your party was split three ways in the same room. Yes. I totally agree with that. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. That it, it, beautiful system. Lots of fun. So challenging. So to keep, challenging so to run challenging. and just, oh, yeah. I want to love it so much, but I don't. 
All right. Yep. Um, we got time for one more question to squeeze in, or we I, wrap I think up? we're. I think, I think we're we got to wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go Kate's, ahead and roll it. Kate's giving us the wrap. Next up. week, we're going to be talking about a story in an hour. Yeah, we oh. are going to invent a story in one on hour. our podcast. That's right. All right. We'll roll us there, Kate. All right. You can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave. You can also find us on Instagram st underscore conclave. I've been posting some of the uh, the miniatures and terrain and stuff oh, like that yeah. that I've been doing up there, and some uh, just some shots of our various games and whatnot. So mm-hmm. give us a peek up on Instagram. Uh, you can also find us on Discord. Uh, the link to our Discord is uh, in our Twitter, and you can also find us uh, in the description for any of our uh, any of our particular podcast episodes. You'll find the link to our Discord there. Join us; we'd love to have you uh, in part of our discussion. Please, please, please. And our Patreon members, Knox, thank you so much, and Sam. T- tonight was for Knox because he's at the contributor level where he can contribute to our shows. And you can you do this to too. As well, yep. Just join us on the uh, Patreon there. But uh, we appreciate Sam as well, and we're hoping that uh, you can make our uh, our live shows a little bit more often as well. Uh, our intro music is "Beyond the Warriors" by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com on Google Music. Our outro music, which you're hearing now, is "Only Our Footprints in the Sand" by Midair Machine. That can be found at SoundCloud.com/slash/MidairMachine/slash/Track. We uh, record every week at Podcast Detroit, and you can find us uh, on podcastdetroit.com, on Twitter at Podcast Detroit, and our engineer is Caitlin. Thank you, Caitlin. Beautiful and talented, as always. I uh, want to give a big shout out to our families, Vicki and Sean. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years, and you, our listeners, we love